Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everybody to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. This is part two of a two-part mini-series, I guess you could say, on inflection points. I talked about what an inflection point is, and for those that are in the emerging group phase or even solo practice phase, I gave you some things to think about uh, as it relates to planning and pushing your business through that phase of stalling growth into an upward trajectory into the future. This episode will be along the same lines, but we're going to talk about it from a group practice and scale standpoint. So for those of you who are already committed to the journey, get your pad and pen ready. You know it'll be a note-taking episode through another wonderful cup of that Mila coffee because the Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. Thank you so much for a little bit of time this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you are in the world and whatever time it is and whatever you're doing. I really appreciate your time and joining me on the show today. So as I teased in the introduction a week ago, I talked about this concept called inflection points. And for those that didn't listen to last week's episode, for one, shame on you. How dare you skip an episode? You might want to go back and listen to it because I'm not going to go through everything that I I laid out in that, but I will just give a quick refresh because it might have been a week since you did listen to the last episode on what an inflection point is. An inflection point, if we go back to our, uh, to a degree, algebra and geometry in um, probably high school, we all are are familiar with representation graphs representing um i would say growth and success right so you've got time on the y-axis and you've got uh usually dollars revenue growth let's say on the x-axis and as we start our our practice and our career if we went back and plotted the uh, total collections of the business over whatever period of time that is, it's probably a graph that would have a pretty steep curve going up in the beginning because you're building off of a low base typically, and then it starts to flatten out at some point. And once the curve starts to flatten out and go almost horizontal, one of three things can happen. It can either pivot and turn up for a next phase of growth. It can continue to go horizontal, kind of in a stall, or it can take a downturn. We don't like to talk about that, but those are the three outcomes of it. So how do we think about pushing through this inflection point and being the catalyst for growth in this next phase of the overall business? An inflection point is simply where the curve pivots back up. It goes from from being a a flat curve to an increasing slope once again, that that the point where it shifts from positive, from from negative to positive in terms of um, uh, trajectory is called the inflection point. So 
I mentioned this in the last uh, episode, and I kind of phrased a bunch of things from the perspective of that first successful practice where you are the primary economic engine in it. This episode, I'm going to kind of build off of that. I'm going to talk more toward our group practice owners uh, in the audience here, because what I talked about last week for solo practice owners, I don't want to say it's easier when you're a solo practice, but it is in one way. And that is everything I talked about last week, pushing through that inflection point is something that most of those solo practice and very early stage group owners have control over. It's a smaller business. There are fewer people involved in it, usually fewer associates. Um, and, and it's easier to, it, relatively easier to control outcomes because literally you can put your hands on all the people in pretty short order. There are usually not that many locations if there are more than one. All right. And that makes influencing the next phase of growth a little bit more um, predictable, I would say. Not guaranteed of any successful outcome, but but certainly the ability to influence it more directly. Honestly, at a smaller group stage, you're probably also still working clinically the vast majority of the time, and you're probably one of the largest clinical producers in those businesses. So for you to, to create uh, greater throughput, while it's still a challenge, it is arguably easier in a smaller group. Once we start to get to five locations, six locations, and on up from there, this is a different type of uh, a business challenge. What I said last week, and I referenced uh, many of the strategic planning sessions that I'm currently in the middle of with a, a lot of you in the audience, or several of you in the audience, um, I, I talked about really identifying the time frame involved uh, and what the future would be um, for uh, for this next phase of growth. And, and the reason that the time frame was so important is because your decision criteria usually has some level of an investment tied to it. So, okay, we're going to we're going to pour some money back into the business uh, and we expect the ROI to happen within two to three years. Well, that's, that's a lot easier when you're a smaller business because the investment is probably smaller and generating positive ROI is not such a daunting challenge. When we start talking about making investments into the business at five to six to seven, eight locations, now those are a lot bigger investments. They typically involve more people and they typically also take uh, they take a little bit longer in terms of time frame really to bake because you're going to have more people with different degrees of success across the board. And when I said it's easier in a smaller business because you can kind of control everything, this is exactly the polar opposite of what I'm talking about in a group practice. So many of you who are building group practices and you've gotten to i just say five locations uh, but uh, you know it's not a hard and fast point by any stretch but i think it, if these are if it's five locations and it's your typical six operatory general dentistry practice it's your you know average level of collections and chaos and all that other kind of good stuff you are at a decision point and one of the in, the reinvestment decision points is around uh, bringing together um, and recruiting 
some degree of a C-suite professional leadership team, professional management team. Uh, It can be things along the lines of starting to phase in some aspect of a call center. It can involve uh, a lift and shift of migrating from some degree of third-party service providers like marketing and accounting functions and things like that and in-housing them, you know, um, instead of outsourcing them, insourcing them. Um, It could be that now instead of relying on dental practice brokers, we're going to bring on uh, somebody in the director of business development role and on and on and on. So it's it's a similar level of investment that you use in external parties, but now we're starting to bring all of that in-house because we are committed to uh, staffing up the business for those roles because the desire is to go from seven locations, maybe to 15 locations in the next three to four years. Now, that's a that's a that's pushing through an inflection point, right? I mean, that is coming out of there. We are expecting massive revenue growth because we are adding more businesses to it. It could also be that we're expanding days and hours in our core businesses, and that's going to involve a full-fledged associate recruiting effort, as well as a doctor development plan. So the complexity of pushing through an inflection point in a larger business is a lot, has a lot more jeopardy to it. It typically requires more time it involves more people, and it definitely involves more financial resources. So that's why I say this is a this next phase. If it w- if it was easy to go from one or two locations to three or four locations and push through that inflection point, and then it let's say four locations, the business once again starts to plateau. Well, now to push through the next phase of an inflection point really involves a lot more calculus from a standpoint of how big, how much, what is my time frame? What are my expectations? And just how big do I want to take this business? Because if I'm going to push through and really go full gas on this next phase of growth through the inflection point, there's probably not going to be a compelling reason to make all those investments if I simply want to get to six locations to go from four to six, right? I mean, you could if you have enough time frame, you could do that just by making an acquisition every three or four years and in six or eight years be at six locations. But if this is something where you're going to say, I'm, I'm ready, I'm confident in the local market opportunity. I'm conf- I'm gaining confidence in myself as a business leader. There, this is a great place for associates to come. We have a, a the growing the bones and and the growth opportunities of a really great doctor development plan. We're using our digital technology to the fullest. Our marketing is firing on all cylinders. All of that kind of stuff gives you the confidence to make bigger bets in the business and really start to centralize administrative infrastructure and push through the inflection point for a massive growth trajectory coming out of it. And this is a dis- a different decision point than what an entrepreneur may have going from one or two locations to three or four. It's It involves a lot more people and a lot more investment. So when we think about it from a bigger business point standpoint, inflection points typically involve higher levels of investment to push through them to yield 
the great growth trajectory on the outcome and the positive ROI that we all expect. And this is a level of risk-taking, candidly, that is different from a mindset standpoint when we compare it to um, somebody going from you know one to two locations or two to four locations. So for those of us in the audience who are in the five-ish location range, or maybe north of that even, and you still haven't centralized uh, you know, infrastructure and started in-housing a lot of this kind of stuff, the thought process is still, the, the discipline, if you will, is still the same as what I mentioned in the prior episode, but the magnitude is substantially greater. So last week we talked about uh, a SWOT analysis. Again, I'm not going to go through everything the way I did last week and go back and listen to that episode or listen to it a second time, but strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. These are objective and they're subjective. And it's really important for you to, to uh, really take some idle time with a pot of coffee or something and think creatively around what the strengths are of the business. Think creatively about what the weaknesses are of the businesses, what the opportunities are, and what the external threats to the business are, and really get eyes wide open with your leadership team on how we size up the business. I would tell you that the best instances of doing a SWOT analysis is when all of the leadership team um, gives their input on a sheet of paper independently from everybody else in the leadership team, meaning each person on the leadership team takes an hour or two to go through strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats on their own. And then we get back together as a leadership team and compare notes. You will find that a lot of you view the business a little bit differently, and that's not a bad thing. So getting clear on strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, the way the business sits right now is key because those opportunities are the ones that you will want to put a dollar sign next to if you're going to capitalize on them. And the threats, you will want to get really clear on. You can probably never do away with a threat, but you can mitigate it to a great degree. And when it comes to positive growth, sometimes that's just minimizing your risk for failure. All right. So you can't do this without identifying what the threats are. And then the last thing that I mentioned last week, again, I won't go through it the way I did last week, but it's defining success. So everybody likes to say we're going to grow 10% this year and thinks that that's the goal and that's all that the goal is. It's not. It shouldn't be, at least. You need to break down what success looks like and you need to be very, very clear about it. The first thing is how will we define success when we get there. So what's the best outcome that will happen if we're successful at, with this initiative? What's the worst thing that will happen if we fail? Okay, what's the best thing that will happen if we're successful? And what's the worst thing that will happen if we fail? And then what are the key measures of success? And there are probably a lot of them. I would say, you know, minimize it down to top two or three or four. Uh, and and if we tick, you know, three out of those four boxes, we'll know that this initiative was successful. The last thing of how we define success is what are the, the obstacles we've got to overcome, the the key hurdles, the key um, 
areas that that we're going to need to to overcome uh, if this is going to be a success. Does it require financial investment? Is it time investment? Um, is it hiring, which is all of the above? You can start to break all of that down. But once you build out an initiative and you say the best thing that's going to happen when we're successful and the worst thing that's going to happen when, if we're not, that creates urgency, usually creates a lot of clarity. And then you, you outline, these are the four things we're going to say that if we hit three out of four of them numerically or otherwise, we're going to know that this initiative is successful. And then here are the uh, obstacles we've got to overcome to even get this train on the tracks and get it going in the right direction. If you can do that for your key initiatives, you're going to get better clarity around what it is that you're shooting for, and you will define success equally for all of your leadership team, and you'll all be on the same page. That is one of the hardest things to do in a growing business, especially when the business has some level of size and magnitude to it. And I would argue that a five location group practice is all of the above. So very, very critical to when we start thinking about these multi-location groups that are already in some uh, phase of growth as they start to stall, well, how do, we, how do we course correct that? How do we push through the inflection point and make sure that the curve turns back upwards in terms of its growth trajectory? It's not just a matter of acquiring more practices. It's gaining efficiencies. It's making reinvestments in the leadership team, in a leadership team. It is, it is certainly growing revenue. Um, it is all of the above. And if you are going to build a multi-location group, the time frame that you have to do it, the horizon and what success looks like on your three to five year outlook in terms of planning is obviously mission critical as well. So I think this is a healthy exercise to go through, if not every year, at least every other year. It is reasonable for all of you, regardless of how many locations, whatever the revenue is, however many owners or associates or whatever else you got, it is really, um, uh, I would expect businesses to go through a phase of growth and to plateau or flatten out at some point in time. When that happens, you would like to be thinking about it ahead of time. You would like to realize that given your available uh, number of operatories, days and hours, and number of, of uh, associates that you have, that all of them are going to reach maximum capacity at some point. How far away from that are they? Is it a couple of years or is it probably this year where most of them start to max out and they start to trip over one another? Comes a point where people just can't work longer and harder and 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 do more and more dentistry. We all burn out, right? So at that point, if we're thinking about this in advance, those plateaus that we hit are no longer as long as they used to be. We anticipate the plateau. We anticipate when the business is going to kind of top out. We are planning two to three years out for that circumstance to happen. And we are actually making investments ahead of time to minimize the amount of time where the business flattens out. The worst thing that can happen, well, <laughs> I was going to say the worst thing that can happen is for the business to flatten out. I, I take that back. The worst thing that can happen is for the business to flatten out, for the person not to, to necessarily realize it, 
and and kind of go along on Groundhog Day and then have the business start to decline. That's kind of the boiled frog thing, right? I mean, you put a I don't know if this is even the truth, but you know, you put a uh, a frog in a pot of cold water and you turn on the the stove and it starts to boil a bit. It doesn't realize it because it's in the the warm bath the whole time. So in any event, um, I would rather you not find yourself going through Groundhog Day and and having the same day over and over in a business that's already reached its peak and it's starting to slowly decline. I would rather you be able to think ahead forecast when that peak might happen and let's see how we can compress time and minimize the longevity of how long the business has stalled year over year over year and and push through that inflection point for future growth that is when you're being a true business leader that is when you are able to understand your business not just where it is right here right now today but where it's going to end up at the end of the year or whatever the period of time is. And you're making decisions today that will bear an impact over the horizon and you're minimizing the amount of time in the stall that the business hits. That is really the genius behind operating growing businesses that are in perpetual growth mode because they don't allow them to flatten out. And to a degree, that's where we would all like to end up. These are also business concepts that we're going to be talking about at our April conference in Puerto Rico. And several of you, a number of you, have reached out to me about that. Obviously, we're pretty jazzed about it's going to be Puerto Rico the last week in April. I think it's April 24th through 26th. But the subject matter around a growing business, um, you know, catalysts for growth, See, you know, a professional C-suite leadership team, certainly calls phasing in call centers, you know, progressively over time, um, using bank funds appropriately with a, a credit facility to, to go out and execute your growth strategy. All these types of concepts are what allow you to learn ahead of time to push through these inflection points and hopefully create a, a real growth engine in your business um, consistently so that you're never um, at a point where the business starts to stall. Uh, we Obviously, registration is open for that. We've got a handful of the seats already sold. I'm not sure how many uh, upon this recording, um, but we are going to cap it at 75 attendees. Um, we'd love to have you. So please, I'll link to it in the show notes. But if you're interested in learning more about this from some business experts beyond just me and DeWalker and our team, um, uh, Puerto Rico, April 24th through 26th is the place to be. So we hope you'll be able to join us for Accelerate 2024. It's going to be a fun con uh, conference. Um, we really built this conference for those who are at that point, five or more locations, because we didn't think there was anything out there that was really providing the education that y'all need to navigate your business through this uh, point of uncertainty and make sure that you've got it uh, primed for future growth and obviously some level of fulfillment with y'all as well. I hope you'll be able to join us. Needless to say, I appreciate you all being listeners and subscribers. We'll see you on the next episode.